This is so weird. Just All right, don't, folks. Don't read it. Just, yeah, just keep going. Sorry, I apologize. I, I'm Josiah. Oh. I'm your host, and that was that was Byron. Byron, say hi. Hi, I'm Byron, your co-host. This is our finale. This is the, the Millennial Pastor Podcast where we talk about the intersection between faith and culture, and me and Byron are having to use Google Hangouts and YouTube Live to record this episode. Because why, Byron? Why are we having to do that? My phone is garbage, apparently. If you heard in the Evan podcast, Byron's phone was literally vibrating up a storm, something fierce, and it sounded like it was about to to literally blow up. And then in the last, uh, we've tried we tried a recording, but in the last couple of recordings before that too, we already tried to record this finale. Uh, Byron's audio is just so quiet. So because uh, Byron is what I'm going to call the high maintenance co-host, this is our our final attempt for an actual finale for this show. So hopefully, hopefully this works. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. But we're gonna, we're gonna the problem audio. is we can see each other right now, and it's weird. Usually we just hear each other. So like your face when you first started talking, I just couldn't take it. You were <laughs> making a weird smile. You're like, welcome yeah. to the professor. Like I just couldn't do it. Sorry. So <laughs> if, we're, if we're especially ourselves, it's because we can actually see each other. We normally don't do that. Anyways, uh, let's get to it. Let's get the show over with. This is the last one for a, for a minute. Just for the record, folks, we're going to be done for, for a bit. We're going to take a break. Uh, it's summertime. I just had our... I just had our... My wife just had our fourth child, which is why our season is coming to an end. And life is a little crazy. I don't sleep a whole lot. And uh, it's just going to be good to be home with the family as much as possible during the summertime. But we will be back with the next season sometime, I don't know, next fall or winter. In the meantime, probably by the end of summer, maybe, depending on all this tech nonsense, we're going to have a the hashtag blessed series of podcasts that are uh, going to be short expedited episodes. But that's all to come. Today, we're wrapping up this season one, which has been a pretty epic season. And our podcast sponsor for today is who, Byron? We have a very special sponsor because I know them personally. Um, it's my mother, Lydia certain. So we went to like, uh, we talked about a little bit on the podcast, but my grandfather passed away this year. And in February we had to go to California for his funeral. And my mom and dad and my wife and I were in the car and we were listening to an episode or two of the show. And my mom asked me out of nowhere, Oh, how do you sponsor the show? And I didn't know how to answer. Cause that's a weird question. Um, from just like a he, like a person, not like a company. Um, and she's like, how much does it cost? And I was like, I don't know. So yeah, Lydia certain is the official sponsor of our, our season wrap up. It's kind of ridiculous. I, I jokingly said that we're slightly failures because perhaps, uh, avocados from Mexico would have been a better choice for, you know, like the sponsor of the show or whatever, but what is more millennial than having your mom sponsor the podcast? It's like living in her basement, but through audio. It's literally, <laughs> it's lit- how, how, how more we couldn't get more millennial than having your mom sponsor the podcast, which is just fantastic. Perfect. So, so today's episode is brought to you by mama certain because why not? Why wouldn't we do that? Of course we're going to do that next year. Don't worry. We'll Thanks, work on mom. It. We'll we'll know we've arrived as podcasters when we get avocados from Mexico to sponsor the <laughs> podcast. 
that'll be pretty epic when it happens. If if it ever no, it, it will happen at some point. I don't. Well, I'm not gonna hold my breath. <clears throat> so, with that being said, Byron, we have never actually done this, but I feel like since we put everyone else through these terrible games where we make fun of them using <laughs> stereotypes, uh, and we always apologize to them for how rude we are, it it seems like it's only fair that we do the same to each other. Yeah. Uh, you want me to go first? Or no, gonna... I don't. I don't want you to go at all because I know the questions you're probably going to ask. But I changed I... at least one of them from the the podcast we didn't get to put out there because of the stupid phone issue. Byron is not a normal millennial. He has like old phones that don't work. But again, I am a normal millennial because I can't afford rent, and so therefore I can't afford a new phone. But then you're also super millennial because your mom is sponsoring the pod. Okay, whatever. So Byron, I think it's time to play. How millennial are you? So weird. Are you let's ready? Are you yeah, ready? Let's do you just why don't you go home first? Or go home first. Go what? home. I am home. Thank you. You, you go, go home. Why don't you go um, first? Okay, well, my favorite question to ask you is Hey Josiah, do you even have a job? Um, I, I knew you were gonna ask this stupid. How yes. Could I not? Short, short answer, yes. Long answer, kinda. I don't <laughs> sure, man. I mean, if having a job means you have to be paid full time, then no, I don't have a real job. Well, I don't think it's be paid full time. Well, but the other stupid joke you always make is pastors only work on Sundays. So, based on that stereotype, and because I'm a millennial, the answer is no, technically, or what? Like, what? What are we looking for here in an answer and a response? I mean, the thing is, like, I always make that joke, but only to three people. And it's you, Moose, and Will. I don't say it to anybody else. Thank you. Because I don't think it's true. I think it's funny, but not true. Um, no, I mean, thing is, like, your situation, too. We talked about being bivocational, co-vocational. Um, our last episode with Jen and Johnny, you talked a lot about this and them, too, like how they parent. Um, she was saying that they had, she had a three-year-old at her lap or on her uh, by her feet while they recorded the podcast. So I know you stay at home a little bit. You... Uh, not a little bit, a lot of bit. A lot of bit. Yeah, you're not like a traditional, what we would think of as a traditional pastor as far as office hours or any of that. So, so yeah. I don't know. Do you think you even have a job? Uh, it depends on who I'm talking to, honestly. People's perceptions <laughs> of what a pastor is or isn't, it varies. It varies drastically. So, eh, that's my answer. So, you kind of have a job. I got you're it. a punk, dude. You're a punk. So you're weirdly not a millennial in so many... I mean, you have a beard. And so I'm going to ask a modified question that doesn't have to do with the beard or like a gender stereotype for your millennialness. But I'm going to, instead of saying currently, have you ever lived at home with your parents or in your grandmother's house? Well, that was definitely leveled just at me in particular. <laughs> yes, I have. Um, so... After college, I moved to Hawaii. So at 22, like, I mean, I, I technically my residence was my parents' house through college, but that's normal, I think. Um, no, and then I moved a millennial. Well, but so I'm does you, kidding, though. Dude, just like, kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, so then I moved out and then I was like, I was gone basically for like 11 years. And then I lost my job in Missouri and had nowhere else to go. So I moved back to Arizona and lived with my parents for a month. And then, uh, or yeah, a little over a month. And then I moved in with my grandparents um, because 
I felt like less of a bum there because my grandma was having some health issues. And I got to help. Yeah. Like I took her shopping. I I did a lot of stuff. I took her to appointments. Like I was, I was kind of her chauffeur and I did some stuff around the house um, while looking for, cause I didn't have a job for a while. So I was looking for a decent job too. So it was less of me being feeling like a bum because I was actually helping doing stuff. And then so like at my parents' house, literally there was nothing for me. Like I took care of the dog when they were gone. I like did some household chores, but like I felt real bummy being like <laughs> 29, I guess. I think I was 29 when I moved back. No, man, that's classic, run of, classic run of the mill millennial. Yeah. And then the thing is, so after that, like eventually I met my wife and we got married and then we lived with my grandparents for about six months before we got our current place. So even as a married couple, we were living with my grandparents for a while. So, so you're yes, I have. You are like definitely a millennial. That is yes. like in that category, I am definitely a millennial. Totes millennial. The thing is, I avoided it for a long time, and then at no. the end of my twenties, I had to come back. Couldn't escape so. that. Couldn't couldn't escape that stereotype. So I tried. So what are our scores then? Like, it, does that mean I have a one and you have a? I don't. Are we scoring this? How how are we playing this? I mean, we usually fake score it, but I would say yeah, we both probably have a one right now. Of course, we would say that about it. Okay, whatever. Next question, go. You're you're asking me the next one, right? Let's just right, do, yeah. let's do three. All right. Um. So this is actually one of my favorite ways of wording this earlier. I don't remember who he asked, but uh, do you have a beard because no one taught you how to shave? <laughs> <laughs> no. The, the Reader's Digest version of why I have a beard is because I can't be bothered to have that much of a morning routine, particularly with how many children I currently have. Um, and I actually first grew a beard, and you know this, not, not many do. I, I don't know. I guess some do. The first time I could actually grow a full beard was when I was like 15 or 16. And I did it because it was like a mark of, hey, I can do this. Look at how much of a man I am. Even though it was dirty. It, was, it wasn't was a full beard, though. That's the thing. You, I could grow. You weren't like a gifted high school beard. Like there are some people like that. It was like it didn't grow like above. It was a, it was a neared more than anything. Like I it had was, similar. It was an Amish beard without but, the, the mustache. Sure. But yeah, but, it was. It was filthy. I, I do recall that. Yeah, but I, I think could the grow first one. time I ever grew a beard, like fully, was like so, the end of my sophomore year of college, or sophomore year. I grew a beard, and then I decided that summer would be the year of the unke- the summer of the unkempt beard, and I just let it grow, and it got ridiculously huge. Which is also I, what you did this summer too, right? No, this is nowhere near as long as it was, dude. Oh, dirty! I can um, see you now. I can see. Th- I can. I can hear what that beard sounds like on this podcast and see it now. Um, but I also, our good friend, Alan Hickman, I was, saw him on campus back at Point Loma when we got back to school and he walked right past me, <laughs> made eye contact with me, but walked right past me. Didn't know who I was. After he was passing about 10 feet, I turned around and said, Hey, Alan, he turns around and he goes, Oh my gosh, I didn't know. I didn't realize it was you. It was awesome. Well, I've, I've, gone through periods of keeping my face shaven. Um, and I recently discovered after going to, I don't like a real barber. I don't know. Instead of, this is going to sound terrible. Instead of like the Walmart or cost cutters or whatever, they basically said, Hey, you have double follicles. What does that mean? He said, you have two hairs coming out of each follicle. So basically I am guaranteed 
to get ingrown hairs when I shave. Like there's no no way around it. It's a guarantee every time. So I'll just get like the nasty stubbly uh, ingrownness. So it's just not worth all the hassle and headache and extra. Cause then I have to like put the aftershave and this and then it's like, you know what? I'll just have a beard cause that's easier. So that's why I have a beard. Not cause I don't know how to do stuff, but because it's just. Okay, bonus not... question then. Have you ever used YouTube to sculpt your beard? Never, never once. Either have I. <laughs> I've watched those videos, but not to learn how to sculpt my beard. I just do it my own way. But I've, I kid you not. They're I've interesting never, sometimes. I've never even watched a video on it. Not not Dude, just some of these I... people out here are trimming beards with fire. Like okay. it's crazy what they do. Like they do some really interesting. So it's kind of interesting to watch. I mean, but I, I would saw, never do it to myself. I saw a barber cut hair with fire, but I don't remember a beard thing. That's interesting. All right, next question. So so basically, I don't get a point for that, right? Nope. Okay, so I guess I'm not a millennial as it pertains to beards. All right, next question. Because of how lazy and self-entitled you are, I'm not even going to ask you to scale it or defend it. You just are because you're a millennial <laughs> and you're Byron. How many par participation trophies are on display? Zero, but, but... But you've won a couple. Well, not as many as you'd think, although... But, okay, so you have won. So... One, like, gonna, as you can see me now, look, you have one participation yeah, trophy. I've gotten a couple random ones from stuff, but um, the one main one that I have or that I got, my mother hung up in my bedroom <laughs> when I was in high school and I hated it. Um, it was so we had this thing called the Warrior Award, and one person from each like freshman, JV, and varsity team got it each year. And it was just like, you know, whatever the coach just picked somebody that was a warrior. I don't know. Well, our JV year was terrible. Um, we were all sophomores. We only had like 12 guys in the team because they took all of our best players to varsity, and we were terrible. We won one game that year, and the reason we won that is because someone's mom, who he's a Mexican guy, his his mom promised us a bunch of awesome Mexican food this, the next day if we won, and we did, and we got tons of awesome food. It was delicious. Just bribed but to perform for burrito. pretty much, and it was also the only team we could potentially beat. Anyway, they were also very bad. But um, I mean, that would work for me though. I would play my heart out for some burrito. Oh, we did. We wanted that food. Um, and then so that year though, instead of picking one person for that because we had such a terrible year, the coaches decided, hey, we'll give the Warrior Award to everyone on the team, and we were all pissed about it. So um it's not technically a participant well i guess the definition of a participation trophy. no we if you were on the roster you got the because it was a bad year they just gave it to us to try to make us like feel better i think so it technically like, is a participation trophy without calling it a participation yeah trophy. i counted as one but like it was like oh hey you you stuck through it so here's this thing and we were we were so mad we're just like this is not how this is supposed to go like we all got one like when we walked into the banquet i remember looking at the table and i saw like they were covered, but you could see how many plaques there were. And I was like, dude, they gave one to every one of us. We're going to be pissed. Which cheapened we were. the award. It just cheapened Exactly. And so, yeah, that's the participation award. And my I didn't want to hang it up. My mother, we redid our house when I was in high school. And she hung up. Like So we had Will's side of the room and my side of the room. And she hung up a bunch of Will's stuff that, you know, weren't participation. Like he got like all the awards in high school because he was like one of the best players that we had. And then she hung up whatever I had, and it was like mainly that and like pictures of like, 
I played tennis. I did wrestling, like, all the pictures and stuff too. But like, she hung an award up. I remember and, your, your uh, dumb tennis photo where you're holding the ball like with, with yeah. So I played tennis kind of as a joke. Um, <laughs> it was super fun. I really enjoyed it, but. I was just a goofy one who just did whatever I wanted. And the coaches never told me, no, they just let me get away with all kinds of stuff. I mean, you went from, is, you went from O-line and football to tennis. So I think they're kind of like, okay, I mean, well, it's just kind of cool you're here. I actually worked harder than everybody else though. I had better work ethic. I ran hard when we did our, like our, our conditioning stuff. Like I did the drills harder than anybody. Like I was like, not the best player by any means, but I worked way harder than the rest of our team. So they liked me for that. And I pushed people. I was like, Hey, let's go. Like you guys are just like, you're essentially walking. You're being a fat guy before that's even a thing. Well, the thing is like, I used to lap kids. Like I'm like 260 pounds and we have kids who are like super like small and they look like they're in shape and I'm lapping them when we're running laps. I'm like, this is pathetic. Like get to work. Let's go. So they liked me for that reason. So they let me get with a lot, a lot of crap. The The coaches liked you, but the kids didn't like you. No, the kids loved me because I was goofy, and I Not got the a, ones like, lapping you. They didn't like that. They didn't care. They didn't. Tr- they didn't Not try hard. So you lapped. I yeah, say. they didn't really care, honestly. But like, I, I, I made everything lighter though. I also, when I played, like my first, the first game, I would wear like the 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 collared shirt they gave us, and then after that, when you switch the sides, I'd take it off and I had to cut off football shirt or anything. And I just tried to intimidate kids because I was not good at tennis compared to them, because <laughs> we we were one of the best regions in the in the state. We played a lot of really good teams, so I just scared kids, and that's how I won. Well, like long, I, I didn't win a lot, but when I did, it's because I scared them. Long story short, it doesn't really matter that it made you mad that you got a participation trophy. It was on display for several. It was on display from like my my sophomore or junior year of high school, which would have been you know like two thousand three, two thousand four, until two thousand eighteen. So my parents moved last December and, we and that's through everything. Diamond on you. Here's the deal. This is how the stereotype works. It doesn't matter that you had no say in that. You didn't have a choice in any of that. What I mean, I could have that, taken it down and thrown it away, I guess, but I never I did. But I, I did get rid of it. Now I actually used, I found a bunch of stuff like that award, my old Jersey that my parents had hanging up a bunch of like uh, my letters from tennis and all that and all my little pins and all that. And I gave it away as a, a red ele- or white elephant gift. You gave your participation trophies away. I gave all of it. Like I put it in a box and they opened it up in there. And it also had a, a packet of all of my uh, senior picture proofs. There was like a thousand of them. It was like a box of just random crap of me from high school. It was the greatest gift I've ever given. And the look on the person's face when she opened it, she's just like, what is this? And I'm just over in the corner, like laughing hysterically because it's just random crap I found in my parents' garage when we were moving them out. That's so, yeah, it was pretty great. So I'm going to score this as a point for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I get that. Because foundationally, it doesn't matter whether you liked it or not. The fact of yep. the matter is you received a participation trophy, which is why you're entitled and also lazy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so you're two. No, it's you're, three. You, no, that was the third one? Right? Didn't you ask me three already? I don't think so. Oh. No, yeah, maybe I did. Well, I have one more question for you, but I'm pretty sure I've already gone three. I think I got all three. Participation trophies. I don't I know. One. No, I think we only did two each. You got one more for me and one and then I got one okay. more for you. Well, my, my one for you is uh is great because it just makes sense. 
Um, have you ever used hashtag blessed on social media? And because you absolutely have, in what context? Oh my goodness. So yeah, not only did I use it on social media, <laughs> I used it in a book numerous times for the sake of this stereotype. So I wanted to write the book for the <laughs> for the fun of sharing my perspective, but also the the whole, I don't know, what made the book interesting for for the publishers and for people that read it was the book was called the millennial pastor because there weren't very many millennial lead pastors there still are not but um i just decided i wasn't going to like apologize for being a millennial and what was the most millennial thing i could do in print was use hashtags so i i literally i literally hate hashtags i think they're dumb like they're just like attention seeking ploys in my opinion if you don't like that sorry you probably use a lot of hashtags um but basically hashtags are meant to network to get people's attention on your stuff because it's trending um so i intentionally use just in hashtags ironically to be annoying like is if you put like you know living my best life hashtag blessed and you're like tanning by the pool i think you missed what blessed means like it, i guess from a biblical christian perspective or if you say something dumb like oh my team went to the playoffs hashtag blessed to be a fan it's like that's just i can't i just can't deal with that very well would you so, say you can't even i <laughs> which is yes <laughs> the, the subtitle <laughs> of my book i can't even um so but for real you know i my own protest is not just hashtag blessed but i use hashtags i i'll write a sentence out and kill all the spaces and use it as a hashtag just as my own form of protest so it'll be ridiculous and you almost always also add in there hashtag hashtags are dumb so. yeah yeah that's one of my patented you know favorite hashtags is hashtag hashtags are dumb so yeah byron i've done that Thank you for bringing that up. Well, too. I mean, to be I'm honest, we always pr we try to stack the deck against the the guests. And since we're the guests this time and we know each other very well. Yeah. So I'm I two mean, for one. I'm remembering we, we had three. You, this was my third question. I only asked you two. So you're two for two right now. But this third one, we'll see if we can decide how it's going to score. And this one's stacked against you as well, because I could totally leverage it against you. But I'll just ask it generically. You ready? Sure. Do you know how to do anything? Yes. <laughs> I I can do some things and I can do some of them well. Are you are you capable of actually adulting? We can do hashtag adulting as well. Because if you mean even, like no, here's the deal. Here's this here's the this is how we're gonna make it very specific and technical. If there's even one thing that disqualifies you from actual adulthood. If there's one thing that I could maybe, I don't know, come up with as an example that disqualifies you for for adulthood then you are not capable of doing things. You cannot actually, in fact, hashtag adult. Okay. Well, I can change light bulbs. <laughs> um, I can drive a stick. Okay. Um, I can cook. I'm okay. actually a decent cook. Um, let's see. I do know how to clean because my parents taught me how. Do you know how to write um, a check? Yes, I do. I write a check every month for rent. Yeah. I had to walk my wife through how to write a check the other day. It was pretty do you, funny. Do you know how to sew a button on a shirt? I do. Oh, it doesn't always look pretty, but my mom taught me how to do that. I also know how to use a sewing machine. I once in seventh grade made a stuffed animal for a presentation. It was an eel. It was hideous, but I made it myself. <laughs> do you know how to iron? Yes, I don't do that, but I do know how. And I have an iron. I just never use it for my clothes because I'm lazy. I also, when I like do laundry, 
I pull my shirts out from the dryer immediately and lay them out so they don't get super wrinkled. So I don't have to iron. But yes, I, I know how to iron. I am capable. Do you know how to balance a checkbook? To the like, <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, theoretically, little, so sure. in fifth grade, I learned how to write a check and how to balance a checkbook. And so, to my knowledge, yes, I do. Am I doing it wrong? There's potential for that, but I I know how to take a checkbook in our in a register, which I don't really use anymore, and make sure it adds all my my purchases add up to what my account is telling me, and to make sure my you know there's, sometimes there's there's inconsistencies. I'm sure so, because that's but yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you just use online banking? It does the math for you. But well, um, but that's sometimes they get it wrong. I had a I had a a store one time charged me five dollars extra as a grocery store. Yeah, but that's and, that's something you don't have on to them. use a checkbook to find out. You can use your yeah. I, I just use the receipt and then my uh yeah my bank account. Well, here's but, yeah. the fun. I'm sure if we had endless time and we don't, so we're gonna like move on. But if we had endless time, there would be something I could find. And this is the whole point of these stereotypes that drives us nuts, which is why we play these games. It's because it's very easy to dismiss a person. It's very easy to like yeah. find oh that one thing. Oh, Byron well, doesn't know how to like I don't just, know how, I don't know how to change a transmission out in a car. I've okay. never done that. Yeah. I can do brakes, I can do I can do the oil, I can do uh what else can I do? Spark plugs, fans, belts, simple things like that. Um obviously I can change out uh fuses and stuff but yeah, like I can, I can do a lot but i can't do the example. really technical stuff here's an example that's like over the top archaic i guess i could say you don't know how to necessarily like raise a, a cow you don't know how to milk a cow you don't know how to like uh i mean i've seen a video of milking a cow i could maybe figure that out but, you know, but my point being is that it's like, just, i'm not it, a farmer though yeah exactly <laughs> we live in a day and age where being an adult looks different than our parents being an adult However, yeah, but even then, though, like, even if you go back to like where everyone was a peasant, you know, the Lord couldn't do that. Yeah, but they were in charge of everything. It's just and there's no way they had the technical know how to take care of animals on a farm. It's just the comparison crops. and perspective on what is or isn't constituting acting like an adult. And obviously, there's some things that I think are universal, at least in America, not even necessarily the rest of the world, but. If you live at home and play Xbox all day, you're not acting like an adult. And that's maybe like a general consensus. And that's, you know, that's where some of those stereotypes derive. But as we always say, our, our little mantra is we label things, but people have names, Byron. So I know your name. Your name is Byron. That doesn't mean mean I'm not going to treat you like a millennial because that's fun to do. Hey, will you silence your phone, please? We're trying to record. My wife is telling me things, and it's important. I I don't know if you've noticed, but you haven't heard this buzz or do anything this whole time. And you like to criticize me for that? That's because (laughs) I took care of it beforehand. Good job. Well, to be fair, my phone is silenced. The the text came in on my iPad, which I didn't know was connected to texting right now um anyways byron what have you thought of this past season this is the first time we've done a thing we were doing it for funsies because it was enjoyable we liked talking about these things that there's something something to be said about trying to innovate and understand the shifts in church culture particularly in our country because people our age are are fewer and farther between than other generations not just not just members participants laypersons but also in leadership but we and i was doing the math actually we have this if this actually works we will have 24 episodes up 
Um, and because one of those is a double, I think that constitutes 26 millennials that have shared their story on our podcast, including ourselves, uh, about about being in the church, about being pastors, about once upon a time being pastors, about all sorts of different things. So reflecting back, I mean, from episode one, from from the pilot, from <laughs> from This Is Us, because apparently we're pretend fanboys of that show. Um, do you think anything's changed in your perspective on the church? Do you have more hope, less hope? Are you still frustrated? Um, are you less frustrated? Like, what, where are you at? Well, I mean, so to give context, this answer, uh, you wrote this book, um, you had to, to promote the book, you were doing a blog, right? And the idea was, hey, we'll have some extra people. So I know like myself, Will, Moose, Ryan Alba, I think there were some more, I, I can't remember right now. You had other people blog, guest blog for you. To share their story. Yeah, and we, the we shared part story. of our story. Then we also shared on a topic and we thought about how we thought the church needs to do better or, I mean, some of them were hopeful. Some of them were cynical. Mine was kind of cynical, I think, if I recall. <laughs> yeah. I'm a cynical person, though, but that's just part of my struggle. Um, but, like, so we were talking, and you're like, yeah, I'm just tired of writing all these blogs and getting people to write. I'd rather just talk it out. And I said, let's just do a podcast. And I had no idea what it could actually become. And I've really enjoyed doing this, even though it's been struggle as far as, like, getting the time to do it um scheduling doing all that junk figuring we, out this technology nonsense yeah because my phone's being dumb we also tried uh, multiple different types of recordings before we we settled on the one we did anyway and that worked those didn't work and then this finally worked and then it, now it's not because my phone sucks <laughs> but like like that whole process some of those things were a headache but the fact that we got to hear stories from people and have a discussion um and I don't know if you've actually mentioned it on the podcast itself. You always tell the guests, but we don't really edit our conversations. No, we, we get on there. We talk a little bit before we start, like really. And you cut that part out. We just tell them like, Hey, this is what's going to look like. This is how we do it. If they haven't listened, especially we, we walk them through it. Um, we warn but, them about what we're yeah, we apologize in advance. Uh, but then we, we just talk. And sometimes the way we record, we have to do a couple different episodes, different recordings, and you put you piece them together. But we do very little editing. It's we try to have a genuine conversation. Um, and I've been really enjoying that because I've gotten to know a lot of people that I've never met personally. I got to hear their story. Um, and like I don't know if I've really talked about it on the podcast, but I'm a super cynical person. I've really struggled with that for well since high school, really, with the church in particular about how I see it not being like Christ and how we're going down a wrong road in a lot of ways. Um, but I will say this podcast has made me more hopeful. I'm still cynical. I still have that problem, but hearing different stories of people, hearing from people who are people of color, um, hearing from f women who are in ministry and hearing about their struggles um, but hearing that they're just like, you know what, this has been an issue, but we're going to try to find a way to make it better for the future. The next generation of female or uh, people of color who are going to be ministers, we want to make it better. Um, that's incredible. And, and it's exciting and hopeful for me. Um, it's, and also just to hear people say, hey, we've done church this way for a long time. It's not necessarily evil or wrong, but we can do better. Mm -hmm. And hearing how they're doing better, trying different things, having ideas, something that I've, you know, some of these things I've like, wow, that's a crazy idea. I'd never even thought of that, but that's awesome. Like 
that kind of stuff. So I'm excited for the future of the church. Um, I'm excited to be a part of that as a lay person or as a pastor. I don't know what that's going to look like for me personally, but I'm glad that our voices are finally getting heard. Yeah, I, I would say the one thing that I take away from it kind of as I reflect, we I've looked through these names, these these new now friends, not all of them. We didn't know all of them. Uh, even even I didn't know all of them. I know sometimes you say, hey, you know, Josiah, you don't know me when we're introducing ourselves before the podcast starts. Um, new acquaintances now, friends. Uh, I think the thing that I would say kind of summarizes, sums it all up for me would be that this generation seems to have a whole lot of people that are contagiously hopeful. Like There's this contagious hope because there's this uh, unfiltered, unapologetic optimism that that we can just keep grinding because better days are ahead because this is what God has called us to do. And if God's in it, then we can't help but be incredibly hopeful about what that will look like. What that means, though, is that there's going to be some growing pains. There's going to be some shifts, and that's fine. Um, that's probably necessary. But uh, it gives me hope to keep on keeping on to, to say, hey, uh, you're not the only one. That's that's another thing I would say is, you know, sometimes for a young person, it can feel especially isolating. Uh, it can feel especially lonely because, like I shared in the book, I was the youngest person on the district by over a decade, maybe a decade and a half. And uh, that's not uncommon for many people. And a lot of times when, when they're a young pastor, I refer to myself as the bargain bin pastor because a well-established large church is not going to hire a millennial first-time lead pastor to take over. It's just not going to happen. Uh, so most of the time, the churches that young people like me find themselves in are the churches that have some struggles, have some things they're working through. So I, I call myself the bargain bin. Many others that we've had on the show were assigned to churches in crisis or they found themselves in churches that basically were in a form of crisis, just not officially. So they're put in really tough situations. Um, but but through all that stuff, there's this encouragement that, that we're not in it alone. And that's very edifying and encouraging. So as far as this podcast goes, uh, you know, we're going to play around with some things in the future to continue sharing these stories, to continue hopefully spreading, spreading the hope and... Uh, you know, getting more people. We're not going to stop interviewing millennials, but we're going to do some some other things, I think, in the future, Byron. I'm curious what you think about this. I'm excited about it. But just a spoiler, we're going to, this is going to be a shorter episode, so we're going to wrap up soon. Um, but season two, we have some curious ideas. We want to maybe grow the, the guest profile slightly. We don't want to just have millennial pastors. Uh, we also want to have some nuns and duns. And if you don't know what that term means, it's basically people that are the statistic. Um, and I don't like reducing people to the, to the statistic. But basically, what we've been talking about so many times on this podcast is the people that have given up, left faith community, stopped going to church, would consider themselves not affiliated with any religious or faith community. Um, and so we want to interview some of them and talk to talk to them about why, what made them leave and uh, hear their stories and and it's just something that I, I find incredibly interesting, something that the church needs to hear about and talk talk with, talk through. But I also think it would be worthwhile to have some conversations with those that have gone before us, the seasoned saints, the pastors that have been mentors for, for some of us um, through these struggles and through these journeys and hear why they care enough to invest specifically in people like you and me. Because we've already talked about some of these ideas. We have some people that specifically seem like very good candidates to have 
talk through some of the stuff because they just have a heart for investing in the next generation. Um, and then finally, uh, you know, we're still going to have just millennial pastors, obviously, as well. But uh, well, the thing, I feel like the longer we've done this, our list keeps growing of people we want to have on the show. Yeah. And it's just like we don't ha we haven't had enough time because, of, you know, you had your baby. I know. Like I'm that. So just, high life is crazy. Uh, so like we had other people were like, Hey, we'd like to have them on the show, but it just hasn't happened yet. So we're going to have a mixture next time and mix some people in and do different stories and hear different perspectives. And I think that's going to add even more to what we've been doing because we're going to get, because when we ask the same questions, like what is the church? What needs fixing? Um, what do you love about the church? Like, I feel like from the millennial perspective, a lot of those answers were very similar, mm -hmm. not, not identical, but, I understood kind of what we were going to get most of the time, but now we can ask people that nuns and duns, what is the church? Yeah. Who knows what we're going to hear? Why did, um, you know, why did you leave is going to be a significant yeah. question. So as we well. asked, why did you stay? And that, that question was very varied, I think in the answers, but like, why did you leave or why did you, you know, re never really invest and like become a part? Like that's going to be an interesting question to ask people. Um, so we're going to hear some different types of stories and it'll be different. I, our format's going to be slightly different for those in particular, I think. Yeah. Because they're not a part of the, so like the last second part of our, our interview is always like, Hey, what are you guys doing at your church? What are some, what's your passion? What do you need to do with the church? So we're going to figure out how we're going to approach that part. Like maybe be more just like personal, like, Hey, what's your story, but more in depth, but yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be different and I'm looking forward to it. This has been a meaningful experience. Uh, like I said, we are going to take a pause for a little while just because life is being lived offline and we need to, to take care of things like that. I need to be Say just, uh, you're selfish. Yeah, I'm self. I'm just a selfish millennial. I just want to spend time with my wife and kids and my church family. He wants to make sure that his four children don't die. I'm just selfish. And, and instead of making a podcast, so he's, a, he's selling us all out for, you know, his family. I'm unapologetically hashtag blessed living my best life. So, uh, no, but, but truly this has been meaningful. Uh, I think it's been great to be able to, to have these guests to have fun doing this podcast. Obviously we just do it cause we enjoy it. We get little else from it except for enjoyment. Yeah. Being, yeah. We've had sponsors and stuff. It's not like we're getting paid a bunch of money to do this. No. We don't have much of a listenership yet. And, but every time we have somebody else on, it grows. And the, the idea is, you know, we're trying to make a positive impact in the church, find a way to help heal some wounds, to and encourage stories. people. Yeah, just be a part of the voice that hasn't been heard enough, in our opinion. Or yeah. I'll, I'll say my opinion. I assume you're with me on that. But yeah, um, but yeah, like that, that's what we're doing. That's what we're trying to do. It's not it's not like we're making a ton of money on this or something like that. And not really making any money. Let's be honest. If anything, well, I keep joking that I'm going to become a professional podcaster. <laughs> I'm just going to start a bunch of different podcasts. I have a couple of different ideas. Um, I mean, I uh, not to someone, actually do I it, think so. someone signed up on Kindle one time, so that was cool, but or not Kindle, Audible. Um, I, but, I'm pretty sure it was Moose though. He was one of he's a producer. Okay. Well, then it doesn't <laughs> whatever. I think we had two people sign up actually. And it's a win it. But man. hey, that works. We're winning those commission checks. But yeah, I'm going to I'm going to use this last episode of this podcast to launch my next one. <laughs> have um, fun, man. And just uh, I want you to be their first guest. Oh, um, thanks. Pal. I've actually pitched this idea to my brothers because I think it'd be funny, but they won't do it. But what? it's called the fourth certain. So you have Pete, Will, 
myself, and then a guest who would be the fourth certain. Because your last names are certain. You have to. Yeah, you get it. Um, and then we would just talk about random stuff like sports or whatever. It's not going to be like a religious podcast, but like it'd just be about anything. I think it's just super fun, but they're not on board for some reason. You could just. You could just pretend everybody was your like you just have people fill in like they were your brothers and just it we're we're gonna digress. This is gonna I go love that idea. I'm just gonna have three random people on each yeah. one, yeah. and two of them will be my brothers. Yeah, you're will this time. So exactly. you know, act will like known this. for this. Here's his Facebook stalking for a day. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> hey, we actually we're gonna close out the season, Byron, with a shout out, um, because it's near and dear to my heart. Uh we we did a share the love from time to time and there's a, a really cool opportunity coming up the end of uh, October in Northern California. It's called Young ClergyCon. We've talked about it before, but it's uh, this effort that the denomination has put forward to, to get specifically young pastors together, to mentor them, to help them not feel alone and isolated, um, and to just give them uh, this place to learn and grow together. So it's happening, I think it's October 17th through the 19th and we will put a link in the description of our podcast so you can check it out if you're if you're a young person and you want to go that check it out if you're not a young person but you have a pastor on staff at your church consider scholarshiping them it's worthwhile investment i would say so that's that's it for the the last share the love thing Byron. and i think that's it for this season i think we're done if this all works if your technology on your end isn't terrible and this actually records properly we're done. That's crazy. We did it. Yay. All right. Uh, someone needs to get us a participation trophy because otherwise, what are we doing this all for? I still think we need bronzed avocados. Okay. Like, we'll work on that. That's like the greatest thing we could have done for any of us. We'll get, we'll get our interns on that right away. So, all right, Byron, I think we're done. So, hey, guys, if you like this podcast, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You can subscribe. There's going to be more content content coming soon you can hashtag rate it bless. hashtag <laughs> you can rate it review it give us constructive yeah, criticism. If, please review it if you like it especially but i mean just in general that helps us get uh more what's the word i'm looking for exposure exposure there you go it helps like if you have if you guys respond to the podcast then itunes and other groups will actually like push it a little more um it's and all, we can maybe get some more voices out there. It's so, all an algorithm. Yeah, it's but not about people. It's about an algorithm. You can find us on Facebook. We'll still be posting fun topics of discussion, sharing articles, and posting memes that are my favorite thing ever. Uh, but as always, if you like hearing about what young people are doing in the church, if you like hearing what millennial pastors think, then join us next time, whenever next time might be, on the Millennial Pastor Podcast. Byron, I'm your host, Josiah. And Josiah, I'm your co-host, Byron. Until until <laughs> next time. Why did you say it like that? Because I could, dude. I'm looking at you and I'm it's it is weird, yeah. Good. All right, we're done. Hashtag blessed. Peace out. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>